Well, um, I believe we're, we are wrapping up our series on the choice to rejoice. I was actually looking to, okay, I'm gonna, I was going to segue into something else, but just, just uh, thought, nope. Um, kind of came back and said, no, I really, there's, there's some, something else here we need to get out. And um, so that's what we're going to do this evening, but I, I do believe we're, we're wrapping this up. Let's look at um, Philippians 4.4. And I was going down looking at some stuff and I was like, there's just not a prompting on this yet. So, <laughs> I don't want to be up here just talking to you out of my head. That's not fun. Not fun for you, not fun for me. <laughs> so we looked at some other things. Philippians 4.4. 4. I believe this is what the Lord would have us to cover this evening. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, all the time. And then for emphasis, again, he, he says, I will say rejoice. In the Amplified, we read this a number of times, in the Amplified Classic, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say, rejoice. All the time, delight and gladden yourselves. Notice that, in Him. 1 Peter 1, verse 6, another verse we looked at a number of times, says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 8 says, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So even though we don't see the Lord, even though maybe going through a trial like these individuals here were, still we rejoice, and he's telling them, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Now, as we covered in depth in another uh, service, that takes faith to do that when what you see does not make you want to rejoice. That takes faith. It also can take another element, and that is humility. When you are looking at something that makes you want to cry, and because the Word says rejoice in the Lord always, you bow your knee to what He said, that is humility. You are elevating His Word above what you see, what you feel, maybe your understanding of a situation. Maybe everything, maybe something's gone on for a long time, or maybe you know, something uh, that was very impactful happened, and you're in a situation where there are deep feelings, there are deep, uh, maybe distress, maybe you don't see 
You don't understand clearly about something. You think it should be a different way. Maybe it should be a different way. But in spite of that, you look, and because you have faith in God's Word, faith is there, but you also know that He is right and that His Word is true. And because of that, you bow the knee to Him. And when you want to yell and get mad, you rejoice. That's humility. Let's look at James 4, verse 6. James 4, verse 6. It says, But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, some... Uh, people have the understanding, well, pride is just, you know, when you think you're so great. You know, think of somebody arrogant or classical, hey, this guy or this, this woman just, you know, completely self-centered, all into themselves, don't just, they just talk about themselves, uh, don't listen to anybody, and that's, that's a proud person. That's, you know, classically people would think that. And then uh, humility, people can have a religious sense of humility, uh, sometimes humility, people think, well, if you're humble, you don't have a very high estimation of yourself. And you, uh, you know, you, it's okay if you kind of, you say something derogatory about yourself or kind of put down or, or diminish what you've done. Well, that's, that's humility. That's not, that's not true. Humility, true humility, is bowing your knee to God and doing what He said to do and agreeing with Him. And arrogance or pride does not necessarily, I mean, of course, if somebody is completely self-centered and thinks they're better than anybody else, of course that's pride. But pride is all also, I see something in the Word, but I refuse to do it because I don't understand. That's pride. I know I should do something, but I don't understand why God and where God and this, and I just feel so bad, so I, I'm not going to do what the Word of God says. Well, that's pride. Humility is agreeing with God and agreeing that He's right. And in this subject, you could talk about, this is a general concept, but we're talking about it in relation to, to joy in this context, because this has something to do, do with, with, when we're talking about the choice to rejoice, it is a choice. And part of that choice is you are putting your understanding and ranking it under God's. You are putting your action and your feelings and ranking them under what God says. That's not popular in the world to put your opinion under anybody in this day and age. Everybody's got an opinion. And we have lots of platforms where people express their opinion. You know, it used to be people would put their opinion on a bumper sticker, and they still do sometimes. But it's gone much further than that. You have how many online platforms where people, all day, all it is is somebody's opinion, maybe with a picture in it, picture to illustrate their opinion. 
And then other people say, I like that opinion, so they're liking it, or they're you know, forwarding it to somebody else, or they're retweeting, or whatever. At the end of the day, it's just a bunch of opinions. Everybody has their opinion. Everybody believes they have a right to their opinion. I, you know, I'm going to say what I think. Okay, you can do that. As a Christian, we don't have the right to disagree with God. If He said something, you don't have the right to your opinion because what Christian means is you have called Jesus your Lord and Savior. Now, some people, they call Him their Savior, but they're not, and, and we've all fallen into it at times. None of us have, have walked it out perfectly. There are times, you know, we've done our own thing. But if, if God... Uh, if Jesus is our Lord, then that means what He says is right. And in any situation, if He said something, and I, have a, I, I don't understand why I would want to do that in this situation, but because He's my Lord, I agree with Him. That is humbling ourselves and putting our opinion on the side. Which a lot of times, that's just where it needs to go. <laughs> Sometimes we want to say it, and we just need to can it. And that would help us. Again, we've all messed up. We've all said stuff that, you know, well, I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. And then we regretted it. You know, we just said something. And there are situations where uh, things can be difficult. Things can be hard. We, we've, we've talked about, we, you know, you walk through things on this earth. It's a fallen world. Everything isn't perfect. And the challenge is when you're in a situation to count it all joy, to uh, rejoice, you got to believe something, but sometimes as well, there has to be just an element of God. I don't see, I don't understand. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm bowing my knee to what you do, and I'm going to make my mouth say something and rejoice and acknowledge you and be thankful in spite of it because I believe you're right. And I'm going to honor you. And I'm going to trust you. And saying, see, that somebody says, well, I don't get it. So, I, you know, I, God's basically got to make this clear to me before I'll do something. That's actually pride. But see, Satan's subtle. We're not saying, you know, we're, this, we're not preaching on this to beat people up. We're not preaching on this to, to cause condemnation in us. It's just so we can see, wait a minute, Satan, he is the author of pride. He, took, he tried to take on God and win. Talk about pride. He took a bunch of the angels and, and they decided it was a good idea to go and try to take out Almighty God. You have to be pretty deluded to do that. Well, he is. He's crazy. Well, he tries to get people to go, well, there's no reason to do that. And he, he tries to get us to yield to him. When in fact, God's way is right. And look what the word says here. It says God resists the proud. Not because he wants to. He's not playing games. He has to. He can't let, he can't let that go. And it's not just, it's not right. He can't help when we're going against what he said, if he says, go do this, and we say, no, I'm going to do this, well, he's saying, if you just listen. If you, if, if, you, if you do what I tell you to do, then things will go well. Well, you know as well as I do, there's times where you don't, you don't feel like that. You, you, something rises up, 
And people will go to God and say, bless God, why? Why is this? What's going on here? I don't have any reason to be in joy. And Satan will come and try to push that. When actually, lining up with what God said at that point, God, I don't see. I don't know. One thing I know is that you're trustworthy, and Lord, I'm going to choose to have joy in you and rejoice in you and exalt you. See, that's humility. Now look what it says the humble get. It says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace is his ability. Grace is his help. If you're in a tough spot, what do you need? You need help. God wants to give us help. How, are, how is the avenue where we get, give him the ability to give us help? Agree with him. Humble ourselves and say, Lord, I need your help. I don't understand. I, I want to cry. I want to get mad. But Lord, I humble myself before you. Lord, I choose to rejoice in you anyway. Your mind will tell you you're nuts. But he's right. He's true. And I'm going to believe him. Well, now we just put ourselves in a position that God Almighty can work with us, can help us, can bring us over. And that is exactly what we need if we are up against a tough place, in a tough place, in a, in a, up against a wall. You, we don't need God going, go this way, and we're running the opposite direction. Not that we are doing it um, logically. Not that we're saying, wait, God's saying this, I'm just going to go against him. Satan's subtle. He, he tries to manipulate by, manipulate by emotions, by fear, by anger, and try to get us to put us in a position where, where God says, I can't, I can't help you. Turn, turn, let me help you. But, but we're yielding to the enemy. Satan knows that. He tries to destroy that way. He's wicked. And God will do, and it's not that God is trying, he, He's doing everything in His power to help us. It's just we have to give Him our will. He's doing everything, it's not that He's withholding, but we have a free will, and if we say, I'm siding over here with the enemy, whether we know it or not, we're actually binding the hands of God. So somebody said, can, can God's hands be bound? Yeah. He gave us a free will. If we say no... And we say, no, I, I'm rejecting it. Even, you know, because Satan, he, try, he subtly tries to deceive, tries to get us off. And so in the face of that, there are times. All probably been there. Where something's pressing on you. And one of the ways to get past the emotion that's trying to get you to react against God's word is to humble ourselves and say, not my will, but your will be done. Your will, I know, is to rejoice because we read it always. So right now, I'm going to make my mouth do its duty and I'm going to speak the word and I'm going to rejoice. You've missed it. I've missed it. But we don't have to. When we come up against that pressure point, we can say, Lord, I'm humbling myself right now and start speaking. And start saying, 
And God's ability is there to help us and move us and give us clarity and where there. See, Satan tries to get you in confusion. He tries to get you uh, to despair, to, to uh, feel like everything's out of control because he can manipulate that. And the moment we start putting our focus back on God and say, Lord, I, I'm going to rejoice, we're giving Him an avenue. The, the atmosphere can clear because we're looking at Him. See, when we start looking at all the stuff and start saying it, Satan, he, he thrives in chaos. He thrives in strife. He, he thrives when there's uncertainty. That's why he tries to stir that type of stuff up. And right when we choose and bow the knee, to the Lord and start rejoicing, we're actually making the situation clear and He can help us. He can give us answers. He can give us direction. He can give us help. He can bring ideas to our mind. He can bring people across our path because we're yielding to Him and His way is right. Amen? Proverbs 15, says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Well, that applies here. I know we could preach a series on this. Actually, we have, you know, uh, before. But th this right here, we're talking, I want us to see it in this context. We're talking about rejoicing and putting our will under His. When the, the inclination may be not to do that. We need to see what's actually going on. When we don't, there's more sometimes going on then just emotion. Satan is trying to get us to be resisted. He's trying to get us in a position where our help isn't as easily accessible. But if we'll agree with God, if we'll push forward, then we're putting ourselves into uh, these positions. Like here it says, before honor is humility. Proverbs 22, 4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. When we're in a place where we are pressed, well, we want that outcome. Well, one way, Lord, I'm humble myself. Lord, I choose to rejoice in you. I choose to praise you. See, when you're constantly in that place, you're in a constant place of putting yourself in faith. Because you're, 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 you're looking at God. Because it takes faith, it takes humility to even say anything when you're pressed otherwise. So you're constantly, it might, things might try to pull you off, but you push it right back. And the more we're, we're uh, in joy, the more we're rejoicing, we're, we're keeping our direction right. We're keeping ourselves from slipping into that place where we're rising up and go, oh, forget it. At the moment we start saying, ah, whatever, you know, why isn't this? We're, we're starting to slip into pride. We're saying it doesn't apply here. And we put ourselves in a position where God can't do everything He wants to do in our lives. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. As we're believing, joy, see, we're believing something, we believe this. See, faith, you can believe what God said about what you're supposed to do, 
Well, you can believe the word about what you're supposed to do in the situation. You can believe I'm supposed to go over. Well, in the middle of that, faith also is believing and I'm supposed to rejoice right now. And so I'm going to act on that part. I'm going to act on it. Well, joy is there. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to believe what he said about this. In other words, if we think, well, I'm just going to believe God that I'm going over, but in the midst of it, I don't, I don't particularly feel like rejoicing and I'm not going to do that part. Well, we just cut out part of God's word. But I'm believing God, you know, like we talked about, I'm believing God, but then we're just letting our mouth rip in the other way. Well, we're actually maybe believing over here, but we've set ourselves up in pride over here and say, but I don't need that. That's optional. And but we're, what we're doing is cutting ourselves off from what God really wants to do. Believing Him here, too. Believing Him when we don't feel like it, still rejoicing anyway, and not think it's optional, not think, well, I know that, but it doesn't apply here. doesn't apply to me. I know it'll just go by the way. It'll be okay. I'm still really believing, but, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, what we're doing, we're, we're cutting off what God really wants to do. Now, we may still get by to a degree, but why, we, why do we want to get by? Why do we want to play with something that could bring us in the wrong direction? Because when you play with it, I'll just say, you know, I'll just, just blowing off a little steam. Have you ever blown off a little steam and a half hour later, the room is darker than when you started and what you thought you were going to say a little bit. You're just saying a few things. You get going. See, what you're doing unconsciously is we're yielding to the wrong thing. So you keep going and there's more words. And then you say something and then and you weren't even thinking about this other area, but now you're complaining about that. If this doesn't, you know, just look straight ahead. Don't, if this applied to you, nobody will never know that we're talking about you or me. I, I've done it. And you go to the next thing and pretty soon this other thing. Now, because what? You're agitated. You're, we're, we're, we're listening to the wrong thing. Now we've gotten a flow of listening to the enemy. And he will feed you that stuff all day long. Stuff that you thought was pretty good at the beginning, now you're upset about. People that you thought were okay, now you're complaining about them. You thought you were just going to complain about this one person, but pretty soon, whole world, you're mad at everybody. Why? Because that's how the devil works. He's just going to try to keep feeding in you. And how did it work? You, you, we decided at the beginning, eh, doesn't really apply here, and we started yielding in the wrong direction. Well, that was pride. Right then, if we say, I don't care if it doesn't matter or not, I'm going to say, I'm going to praise God right now. Well, we just humbled ourselves. And then what happens? You're yielding, I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit. Well, He's got nothing but victory and good. So we start yielding to Him, and the things we thought were bad, we start to see it in His perspective. All of a sudden, we're saying, and I'll come over that too. And we were thinking, I don't know. But now we're saying, God's big. We're putting our focus on Him. So now, well, He can take care of this too. And this other thing that I was like, well, I haven't really been on that. Well, why am I putting up with that? He can take care of that too. And we start on a different train. We're on, you know, the Holy Spirit is feeding us the Word. He's feeding us victory. He's feeding us uh, joy. Different. You know, why do I want to start in that direction? Well, I'm just going to go a little bit. You know, Satan will take you farther than you ever intended to go. 
do the wrong things more, longer than you ever intended. He will push you, give him an inch, he'll take a mile easily. He'll kick the door down. And you'll wake up, you know, come to your senses two hours later, and you've just been yielding to what he's, you know, what he's thinking and what the thoughts that he's feeding you. And now you've got to dig yourself out of that. Well, one of the keys is to humble ourselves at the beginning because now we get grace right at the beginning. Grace to avoid the trap. You know, Satan's trying to get you, and if we'll see, whoa, no, nope, going to walk right around that. Going to just keep going, and I'm going to praise God and just keep on. Not going to fall into this trap. Not going to be like you, Satan. You know, I'm not going to be proud like you. You were dumb enough to go to the gates of heaven try to take out the Almighty. I'm not going to dumb myself down because the minute you yield to Him, it starts getting cloudy. You start being ungrateful for the things that are good. You start despising things, taking things for granted. Look to the Lord in these situations. And we'll be on the right track. Let's look at uh, <clears throat> Romans 1, verse 18. Now, let's go to 1 Kings 21. We may go back to Romans 1, 18. But let's look at 1 Kings 21. I want to show you an example of somebody that yielded to the wrong thing completely. First Kings 21, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So he is the king. He's a bad king, bad king of Israel. The guy was wicked, and his wife was wickeder. No, I'm just... <laughs> he was, they're, they're, they're both wicked, but she, she was... Uh, I know it's not wicked, I'm just kidding. They, just bad stuff. But look at this, how this goes. He's the king. So what is the king? King, the king had a lot of stuff. The king could do a lot of stuff that normal people couldn't. Had everything that you could need. Verse 2, so Ahab spoke to Naboth. So he wants this guy, Naboth, has a vineyard, and it's next to the palace of the king. Verse 2, Ahab spoke to Naboth and said, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near next to my house. And for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give, it, give you its worth and money. So he wants this guy's vineyard that is convenient for him, right next to the palace. Verse 3, but Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. He's not supposed to do this. You know, things were supposed to stay in families. And the king's saying, Give it to me. And he says, No. No, not going to do it. Verse 4, So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased. Because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. <laughs> this is the king. 
This is the king is upset and looking like he's throwing a fit. He lays down on his bed, won't eat anything, mad because he doesn't get the vineyard. The man is the king. He has vineyards. He said, I'll give you a better one. So he has better vineyards already, but this one isn't next to my palace. So he's mad. He has no right to be mad. Do you see? I mean, he has got all the food he wants. People serve him night and day. And he is mad because he, didn't, he can't get the vineyard that he wants. And he's not, he, he's not yielding to what is right. And the, he, he, he's mad at Naboth for doing what he's supposed to do. Verse 5, but Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? Now, this goes in a really bad direction. Did he have to? I mean, he did a lot of other stuff. We're not going to get into all that. But he, 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 did he have to go down this path this day? Because of a, a vineyard? When he has better ones? Does he have a lot to thank God for? All the vineyards he has, he has everything he could have. He's, he's leading God's people. I mean, he doesn't have to get fixed on this, but fixate on, but he is. And so he's going down this way, and now he's opened the door to go in the wrong direction. Now, this is an extreme case, but it illustrates the process. He did not have to go this way. He could have humbled himself and said, it's not that big a deal, and gone on so many other times in his life, because this man was not a good king. But this illustrates the mentality. He's not looking to God. He's not humbling himself before God. He's saying, I should have that. And I'm not going to be happy. Verse 6. Or Jezebel, well, let's read 5 again. But Jezebel's wife came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? Verse 6, he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Verse 7, Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. She said, What? You're the king? You're acting like this? Be happy, because I'm going to get you the vineyard. Verse 8, and she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with a seal, and sent letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city of Naboth. She wrote in the letters saying, Proclaim a fast, and seat Naboth with high honor among the people, and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You, bla you have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. Now he's going to kill him over the vineyard. That's what Jezebel's setting up. Verse 11, so men of the city, the elders and nobles who were inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent to them as it was written in the letters which, they had, which she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. And two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him. And the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones so that he died. 
Verse 14, then, Jez then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. Verse 15, and it came to pass, when Jezebel heard that Naboth has been, had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. Verse 16, so it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard, of Naboth the Jezreelite. So had the man killed, went in and took possession. Mad over a vineyard, not thankful for what's going on. Like I said, this is an extreme case, but it illustrates the subtlety. Satan baits us to get off and to not yield to God, not humble ourselves. Say, you know, that, that's a vineyard. I mean, there's so many times, like I said, this man did so much wrong. But you see, there's no reason for him to yield here to that. But he did, and look where that, that ended up. When we, when we are pressed, when we are pushed, the last thing we need is to start yielding to the enemy that wants destruction for us. Because you, we yield a little bit, like we said, it can take you further than you want to go. And you start yielding to that. There are ideas, there's thoughts, there's, you start despising the people around us. That's how people get, you know, people say things they never meant to say. And then it's coming out of their mouth and there's a division between spouses. There's a division between, you know, uh, people that are, are, are close and all of a sudden, now there's these words, and you know it happened because instead of being thankful, people start going down the path and start yielding to, well, I don't know about that, and this, and that, and that, and pretty soon, everything looks worse. And it's harder once we start going down a path to back up. And when you say something, and say something you didn't want to say, now your pride is right out. It's not just between you and God. Now it's between you and another person. Now you, to go and apologize is even harder, isn't it? If you would have just shut your mouth and you were, you know, you were just having a bad day and it says, hey, God, I'm going to be thankful. Like I said, this isn't to condemn us. This is just illustrating how the enemy works. We say, no, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to have joy anyway. We stay in the path of grace, in humility, in victory, and say, I, you know, this ain't going right, doesn't look right, but I'm going to honor you. I'm going to be in joy. Well, we're staying hooked up with Him. And when we start going the other way, we can end up in a place where we're saying something, doing something we didn't intend to, but our emotions got involved. We started getting riled up and pretty soon we say something and now we're dealing with a situation now we got to fix that and the enemy said well you don't want to fix that they did this and blah blah now but the lord always has a way over even if we blown it even if we missed it even if we did have, you know, went down a path. If we'll humble ourselves, if we'll say, Lord, that was stupid. That was wrong. We have to go to a person. That was stupid. You know what? I yielded to the wrong thing. And if they're a spiritual person, they'll realize, done it too. Know what you're talking about. Didn't mean to say it. Was stupid. 
And if you've done it, you know how easy it is to do. And if two people are spiritual, they can say, yeah, I did that too. I know what you mean. I forgive you. And you can, men, go forward. But backing up, see, you could be dealing with the situation that's putting pressure on you. And that's the real deal. That's what's bugging you. But you start griping and complaining. If we start yielding to the wrong thing and say, God, I don't know, and then Satan will feed you stuff about why, where's God and he hasn't been faithful, and you go down that track, now... You're not really mad at them. This is what's bugging you. This is what's pushing you. This is the situation. But see, just like this happened, it wasn't the vineyard. I mean, now you're talking about murder. You started out with the vineyard. I mean, this is an extreme case, but it's the, 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 the concept is the same. I'm getting pushed. Satan will push you. And we, we lift our hands and humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice anyway. I'm going to stay on your side. We insulate ourselves from this other stuff. But sometimes we start going down the other way. We end up with results that we didn't want to and, you know, we didn't even envision. God is faithful to help us through and over when we look up and look to Him and humble ourselves, even in something that's pushing us, say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't see exactly right. We put up 1 Corinthians 13, 11, says here uh, in verse 12, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known, saying, look, we don't see completely clearly. We don't always see exactly what is going on. Satan will come and try to use that against you and say, see, God wasn't faithful, or this person's doing that, or whatever. And if we'll look and say, God, I don't understand. I don't see perfectly. I don't understand exactly what's going on. But one thing I know is that you're faithful, and I'm going to believe you right now. I'm going to trust you right now. I'm going to choose to humble myself and believe you and say what. The word says, and, 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 and speak uh, words of rejoicing now. And I know that that puts you in a position where you can do everything you want to do for me. Look at Psalm uh, 9, verse 9. Look at a couple of Psalms as we wrap up here. Psalm 9, verse 9 says, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, and a refuge in times of trouble. See, that when we, when we have trouble, when we have pressure, we need to know God's the refuge. We don't need to go in any direction that's going to take us away, that's going to hurt us. We need to run to, to Him. Verse 10, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You say, Lord, I, one thing I know is you haven't forsaken me. I trust you. I'm going to rejoice in you. Verse 11, sing praises to the Lord, you who dwells in Zion. Declare His deeds among the people. When He avenges blood, He remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the humble. Someone looking to Him and saying, Lord, I don't, I, this, this isn't good. I need your help. I look to you in time of trouble. You are my refuge. I'm going to sing praises to you.
It says God will not forget. He's not going to look aside. He, the Bible says in James, he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to that person. Look at Psalm 16, 7. It says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Always before me. The Lord is before me. He is the one I'm looking to. Well, if I'm looking to Him, then I'm going to rejoice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yield to Him. I'm saying, Lord, you're here. Lord, you're here. Lord, you're here. Lord, you're here. Oh, well, nope. Lord, you're here. Oh, but this and that. No, no, but Lord, you're here and I choose to look to you. See, that's, that's humbling ourselves. That's yielding to Him. I, you're before me. You're before See, if He's before me, how can I get off into the day? I can't. Because he has my, at my right hand, I shall not be moved. See, the focus is on him. Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad. Why? Because God's before me. Because God's before me. Therefore, I'm glad because he's before me. My flesh will also rest, or therefore my heart is glad, my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope. Verse 10, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, this is actually prophesying about Jesus, and, they, and this is quoted in Acts. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Verse 11, you will show me the path of life. That takes faith and humility when it looks like all you have before you is destruction, and you say, but Lord, you'll show me. You'll show me the path of life. Looks like there's no path of life. What are you saying? Well, you're here, and you'll show me the path of life. You'll show me. You'll show me. The pride will try to rise up and say, there's no way. There's no way through. The humility will say, no, Lord, the Lord will show me, so I'm choosing to be joyful in Him right now. Amen. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Well, if he's here, and I know he's here, and I believe he's here, and I'm trusting him, then I can have joy now. Well, maybe I have to humble myself and say, Lord, I don't see it, but I trust you. And in your presence, there's fullness of joy. So therefore, now, in the presence of this, I have fullness of joy. See, that's, that's humility. I... It says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, that is saying what he says in spite. That's saying, I am reverencing your word. I am reverencing what you said higher than anything I may see and feel. That's faith, and it's also humbling ourselves. Powerful. It, it inoculates ourself from, our, ourselves from destruction. We're not subject to... To Satan's bait. Because we're not saying, oh, I'm going to, well, in this case, I know better. In this case, God can't. We're saying, nope, even now. You'll show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Lord, I choose to say what you say right now. I choose. I bow my knee to you. Not my will, but your will be done. And we push aside anything that could push us off. Amen.